the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. As you have heard, your host, Jesse Gistin. Much better day today than last Monday, I might say. Today was very warm, and yet it was not so bad And in terms of allergies and pollen and things of that nature, at least not for yours truly. I hope you are doing better. I hope you have uh, gradually adjusted to um, the uh, closing weeks of April as we move towards May. And I do want to say a happy post-Resurrection Sunday to all of you who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and celebrated it as such on Sunday. We had a great time in worship. Um, just It's always, always good for us to know the value of traditions and formations of worship um, memorials, if you will, for certainly... The resurrection of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection are memorials that all believers, all Christians around the world acknowledge um, who believe in the Bible. It's a literal historical uh, truth and uh, and claims of uh, the miraculous, since we also believe in the apostasies of the God-man Jesus Christ and the virgin birth and the... Um, the overshadowing of the third person bringing about a conception that's beyond uh, the capacity to com- explain on a human level and all of the wonderful things that our master affirmed by way of Old Testament prophecy concerning himself. And of course, uh, we get to yearly examine uh, his final days, Palm Sunday, all the way to Thursday evening when he begins begins to toil with his disciples in prayer After the final supper, engaging in um, communion with the men who would take over, uh, with the exception of one Judas Iscariot, that infamous character who would betray him, and the historical facts given to us by the four authors of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When understood synoptically and and gathered together in their parts and pieces in a coherent fashion gives us a wonderful expose of the passion of Jesus Christ, his his journey from uh, that night he was betrayed by Judas into the Garden of Gethsemane, then to uh, the court of Pilate, then to the court of Herod, then back to the court of Pilate after first being in the household of Caiaphas and Ananias, and then journeying all the way from Jerusalem to Golgotha and the Via Dolorosa journey of, of agony and suffering that our master went through, Um, with all of the women and the disciples following, observing, and witnessing the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. As you and I know it so well, he was bruised for our iniquity. He was chastised for our peace. And the, um, the wrath of God was upon the Son of the living God. In the behalf of all those who would trust him, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, like a sheep before his shearers. He was dumb inexplicable humility on the part of the God-man. And then, of course, the kangaroo court that put him to death and uh, the quietness of uh, of heaven and earth for the space of uh, a day and a half or on Thursday, Friday morning, 6 to 9 a.m., Pilate examined him and found him without fault, publicly declaring it to the Jews and the Gentiles three times I find no fault with this man, but the Jews bent on killing the son of the living God according to the predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge of God with wicked hands. 
said, crucify him, crucify him. The Roman soldiers did just that in the full regalia of mockery and utter blasphemy toward their maker in the person of Christ, ridiculed him and mocked him and beat him and shred him to pieces, if you will, in a persecutory way. And then they crucified him with a with a whole host of Jews and the believers looking on the son of God and for the space of six hours from nine to 12 and then from 12 to three our masters hanging on the cross and from three to about four thirty or five in the evening he finally utters his seventh saying into thy hands do i commit my spirit and he gave up the ghost and they laid him in a borrowed tomb none of his bones being broken only a sword piercing his side and outcoming water and blood affirming the fact that he was a human being affirming the fact that he in fact did die was not swooning was not uh just in some kind of comatose state but dead actually officially legally and testimonially dead they put him in the grave and the disciples scattered because his shepherd was smitten and the women wondered. And then on Sunday morning, very much on the first day of the week, they ran to the tomb, found the stone removed and angels there, two angels to be accurate, telling them, why are you here? He is not here. He is risen. Go tell his disciples to meet him in Galilee and from thenceforth. The story of the resurrection of the risen Lord, reigning Lord, sessioned Lord, was proclaimed by 11 faithful men. And then finally, the Apostle Paul comes on the scene and hence the gospel has been preached of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the Lamb of God, the atoning sacrifice for sin, the shepherd of his sheep, the master of our soul, the head of the body, the husband of the bride, the king of the church, whoever lives right now, ruling and reigning over this world, our great high priest, our Melchizedek, who makes intercession for all those who come to him by faith um, is to be lauded and to be glorified and to be honored and to be worshiped and to be served and ultimately to be reckoned with one day by the human race when he returns again in his father's glory executing vengeance upon all those who do not believe the gospel and do not obey him as sovereign lord in the meanwhile he has allowed this world to exist for 1985 years since his departure. And uh, the world has gradually been growing in uh, convulsions and birth pangs under the wrath of God and under the tyranny of blind men and women who are uh, committed to hostility and rage towards one another and uh, violence to God's creation. And that's where you and I are today. We live in a world mingled with mercy and madness. Mingled with mercy and madness, we live in a crazy world, and yet for those of us who walk in the light of biblical truth, we live in a world that is clearly laid out in a prophetic plan that is so exquisitely clear that we find comfort in the reality that God is on his throne while the world is falling apart. And so I can say this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. How about you? I'll rejoice and be glad in it, but it's not the way it should be, and it's not the way it will be. One day God will make everything all right. Now, somewhere in the world, atrocities are being committed. I mean, real atrocities are being committed somewhere in the world. We don't hear about them, and we don't see them for the most part. Uh, except uh, we know about the arson that went on in, uh, in, in in Paris where that major church has burnt down to the ground. And we sure that it was an arson that did it, according to some of the evidence that's being rendered now by people that tried to go in a second time and burn it down even further. And then, of course, we're praying for the several churches and and, and people who have been uh, massacred in, in Sri Lanka uh, for uh, for the hostilities that have been vented out by apparently uh, Muslim interest uh, in that regard, some kind of jihad going on in that area. We we cry and we pray for both mercy and justice in those cases. But that's the nature of the world you live in. The nature of the world you and I live in is a world filled with pain. Uh, filled with problems, but also a place where there's beauty and splendor and joy, 
it's a it's a world filled with chaos. It's a world filled with with, with constant struggle and issues. But it's also a place of order uh, and dignity. In respect, this world is filled with all kinds of of struggles and challenges on the part of people groups who who don't understand each other, don't care to understand each other, uh, hierarchical principles and powers and principalities that are dominating the subordinates, uh, as Solomon put it, the oppressor oppressing the oppressed, and neither one of them having the Holy Ghost. That's a bad way to be. And yet we live in a world where there are men and women who know God, love God, walk with God, and seek to do no harm or hurt to anyone. That's a wonderful thing. We live in a world where people respect the earth, respect one another. They respect life. They respect uh, the potential for life of being achieved at its highest level. That's a wonderful thing, too. But every now and then you and I are exposed to some behaviors that we just know, we just know, we just know in our minds we have thought about and we have considered very thankfully uh, for most of us. We have never, ever seen those kinds of things happen. Just the stuff that, you know, inadvertently comes into your mind called what if, what if, what if, what if. And, and this is the story that's going to set the context for our theological query today and in and, and, and conversation, as well as your phone calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Stories about a young African male man, he's about 23, 24 years old, who does something none of us would ever want to see, but are fully aware of it happening. And we're aware of it happening at any time and at all times. At the mall, that that multiple-storied conglomerate of businesses, all housed under the roof of a massive three-, four-, five-story building, you know, the mall where uh, we go for our shopping enjoyment and our shopping pleasure. And and we go there for food. We go there for eye candy. We go go there for conversation. Maybe go there for girls and boys. You know how you, you do it. We go there for commerce and entertainment. Uh, and it's a place that is now becoming extremely friendly for children. And the most horrible thing one could imagine occurs. The most horrible thing one could imagine occurs. And I'm sure you've heard it, you thought about it before, because I have. The story is about a 24-year-old suspect being arrested on attempted premeditated first-degree murder in an incident. And here's the incident. A five-year-old boy was taken by this, uh, they call him a, uh, he's, he's a suspect, I'll get to his name in a moment as soon as I find it. Here it is. On Monday, authorities alleged that Emmanuel Deshaun Aranda, the 24-year-old suspect charged in an incident, was intentionally looking for someone to kill at the mall. Now, you know, we go to these malls and some of them are massive. San Francisco got big malls. New York got big malls. Chicago got big malls. All around the world, we got these big malls. And you know how you you, you ride on the elevators, these translucent elevators and, and escalators and glass everywhere. And you look over the rails and you, you look down four stories and five stories and seven stories. And you know what you think, because I think it all the time. What if? Right. This is this goes to show you how God's mercy works. But every now and then he in his inexplicable judgment allows a certain thing to happen. This this the story goes like this, that this individual, his name is Aranda, as you know, felt driven to an aggression after being rejected by women. He had tried to pick up at the mall again. See, that's what you do at the mall when you're a young man. According to criminal complaints obtained by people, Aranda is currently jailed on suspicion of attempted premeditated first degree murder, which carries a maximum of 20 years to life in prison. He is doing court on Tuesday. It could not be determined if he obtained an attorney to speak on his behalf. Everybody was shocked at the crime. Why? What did he do? The the suspect at about 10, 15 a.m. on Friday was in the mall where he allegedly approached the victim and the victim's mother. Now, what is the victim? It's a five-year-old boy. As they stood outside the Rainforest Cafe on the third floor, with another parent and child. When the victim's mother saw Aranda, whom she had never seen before approaching, she reportedly asked if they should move out of his way. 
Apparently, he was acting a little bit strange or looking a little bit weird. Then the complaint alleges Aranda, without warning, picked up the boy and threw him over the railing from the third floor to the first floor, which Bloomington Police Chief Jeff Potts earlier estimated to be about 40 feet. See what I'm saying? Now, how many of you know, like I know, we've thought about that before. When you go to a place like the mall and you think about how, in a lot of ways, unsafe it is uh, in terms of those kinds of liberties and freedoms, you've looked over the edge, haven't you? You've thought about what if two people got into a tussle, haven't you? You've thought about somebody just inadvertently running up on, on you and pushing you over, haven't you? I certainly have. And you do somewhat secure yourself when people walk by, didn't you? I certainly do. And why is that? Why is that? And See, this becomes the question that you and I are going to deal with after I come back from the break. The vast majority of the world and major portions of our church, liberal thinking individuals, would assert that mankind is basically good. That given all intents and purposes, that if all things were equal and fair, he would always do the right thing. That evil is an exception to the rule. That for the most part, men are thoughtful, careful, loving, respectful, operating in boundaries. But the word of God would tell us different. Do you know what the Bible would say? That the heart of man is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. That evil is set in the heart of man, and he is largely desperate to do evil things, except he is restrained by law, conscience, and the superior power of God. That's what the Bible would depict mankind as. No other depiction could describe the horror and wretchedness of a young 24-year-old man doing something that you and I know is highly possible in a context where everything is supposed to be friendly free. He takes the boy and throws him over with his mom watching. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the feeling that went on in her heart? And, and the feeling that should go on in your heart and mind, the kind of responsible thought that should come up in your mind and mind. There are a number of questions that will come up in my mind. They're all why questions. And we're going to talk about them as soon as we come back from the break. Because I want you to think about with me how blessed we are. To have our sanity right now, to be uh, in a sound mind, to be in a relatively healthy state. I want to I want you to count your blessings with me, because except for the grace of God, there go I in any one of those particular scenarios at that point in that context. You, too. It's a Monday edition of Lifeline. Don't touch. Don't touch that dial. Stay with me. We got to do some deep thinking about where we are in this world, who we are and why God has allowed things to fall off the way they have. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Of course, you can take the number one 367 5329 because when I pose the why question, guess who's going to answer them? <laughs> right, you are, biblical Christian. I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're back to the time, 525, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I was sharing with you a story that... Uh, was brought to my attention about a week ago. Just uh, an amazing, an amazing thought about this individual who, his name is Aranda, that actually committed this crime. I told you that he uh, he had gone to the mall upset, according to the account, because he had gone there for years uh, looking for you know women, hitting on women. And I, I you know who knows how he was behaving, but apparently he just wasn't getting any positive hits, and that. You know, brothers, that'll happen from time to time. Uh, he, the, again, the account says that he was taken into custody uh, after that event. But I'll, I'll tell you what, um, this is the part that was interesting to me. This individual who throws his five-year-old boy over the, um, over the banister, over the balcony, three stories. And by the way, the boy didn't die immediately. I don't know what the outcome is at, as of yet. But this individual who threw him overboard, in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? This young man is mentally troubled. I'm sure you would say that, too. 
Uh, this young man has uh, problems that should have been detected a while back. I'm sure you uh, I'm sure you you would have thought that as well. This young man is the kind of individual you have to watch out for. Uh, and, and he has to have boundaries uh, as well. And I'm, I'm sure you thought that because that's what I thought. It goes on to say the suspect took off running uh, after he uh, did this dastardly de- deed, pushing another witness who tried to stop him against a wall. He continued to run until police caught him on the light rail train outside of the mall. Aranda told police he had been coming to the mall for several years and had made efforts to talk to women in the mall, but he had been rejected. And the rejection caused him to lash out and be aggressive states the criminal complaint. He acknowledged repeatedly in his interview that he had planned and intended to kill someone at the mall that day and that he was aware that he was doing what he was aware that he was doing what what he was doing was wrong. It adds at a news conference on Saturday, Potts declined to speculate on the suspect's mental health history, but noted that in the suspect's prior brushes with the law hint, hint, it looks like some of these cases were handled through the mental court. So you see your suspicion that he had mental issues certainly is valid. But here is the, the other challenge for me in terms of what, what went down. It seems to me, it says in July 2015, this is 2019, In July 2015, Aranda was taken into custody after police responded to a call about a man. Now watch this, throwing things off of the upper level of the mall to the lower level, according to local TV station WCCO, which cited a 2015 complaint stating Aranda initially resisted arrest, refused to give his name to police. Now watch this. Court records obtained by uh, by people show that Aranda was convicted of fifth degree assault and interfering with an officer of the peace and was ordered not to return to the property. Here is where I, I get my ire up for one year. The injured boy's family cannot express how grateful they are for all of the prayers, love, and support that they are receiving. According to the GoFundMe page, there truly aren't enough words. And so um, one of the representatives says, please continue to keep Landon. That's the boy's name if you guys want to pray for him. Landon, in your thoughts and prayers, together we call um, all to come together to help heal Landon. Well, I will say help heal Landon. Help heal Landon's mother, help heal Landon's family, help heal everyone around Landon, help heal uh, Aranda, because even if the boy survives, uh, the memory of such a thing is so impactful, so traumatizing, so deeply painful in terms of just the thought. It, it, it completely changes the whole dynamics of going to the mall, particularly that mall. Maybe not your mall or my mall because, you know, we haven't seen this yet. But, I mean, if this were to become a pattern, wouldn't the mall have to become a different place? Wouldn't the mall now have to become less liberating, less uh Intrusive. I mean, less free, less uh, presumptive of the kind of liberties that we would have when we go to the mall. If, if we're going to the mall now on the predication that the potential kind of uh, violence and repeated copycat crime of Aranda is going to take place. Now you got to put all kind of gates up. You got to put all kinds of barriers up on each level. And that's going to change the dynamic of the appearance of the mall. But by the way. By the way, you will find malls in our nation and around the world that have subtle guards on the rails to make it difficult, if not impossible, for that kind of activity to occur. And I'm totally in agreement with it. What about you? The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'm totally in agreement with it that uh, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Uh, Again, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And this is where, for me, liberty without virtue is a curse. When you think about what just happened here with this young boy, Landon, by Aranda, 
you go, let's not let that happen in the Bay Area. Let's not ha- let that happen here where you and I are. Let's not, let's not pretend that, oh, that was a one-time event. won't happen here. All we need is it to happen one or two more times. And I am almost sure that it's happened before. Almost sure that it's happened before. But I got a number of questions I want to challenge you on. First of all, not challenge you, just discuss it with you. When you see an event like that, you go, why? 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 And especially if you don't believe in God, you go, why? For which uh, opinion, uh, once you go, why, are are reduced to a myriad of uh, unsatisfying answers. Because if you don't believe in God, what's the why all about? See? Because such an atrocity forces us to say things like, I can't believe someone would do that. Even though many things like that have happened over and over and over again around the world and are happening right now as you and I speak. What would drive him to such an insane act, which now employs for all of us, right? A moral judgment. We got to now exercise a moral judgment. There you go. There's a doctrine we call in theology, the Odyssey. And that means it's the doctrine of evil or the doctrine of judgment or the doctrine of crises. It's two terms, theos is for God, theos, and then uh, dikos. Dikios is the Greek term for judgment or crisis. And it really speaks to the issue, why evil in our world? And, and one of the classical answers is that evil is in our world to affirm the reality of good and the necessity of God since evil came into our world by our violating God's commandments. And we really don't even think about evil until it knocks on our door like it did Landon's parents. So, I, I, you know, how, how do you think about that? How do you think about an event like that? What does that do for you on a moral judgment level, on a conscientious level, on an emotional level, on a sympathetic level, on a level of righteousness, on a level of grace and mercy? What, what does that do for you? See, because it forces us all who are a healthy thinking human beings to recognize, watch this now, and I got to take a break and I'll come back. The value of life. The value of life. Aranda threw tables over before. He threw chairs over. He threw clothes over. He threw furniture over. They put him out of the mall for one year. And it escalated. You and I would have been upset a little bit had he thrown a dog over. Or a cat. And I mean, I know how emotional we can get about that. But he threw another human being over. That takes it to the highest level. one 367 5329 How do we press out, process that biblically? How do we explain to our children that kind of atrocity and stay within a biblical framework and not get carnal or secular or, or emotional? one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back to the time, 536. I opened up our conversation really just dealing with what is around the world on this globe. Um, evils happening everywhere, atrocities, uh, horrible crimes and, and events and activities on the part of the human race. And I stated that the biblical view of mankind is that he is depraved and that even though I shared a story with you that is highly sensitive for mothers, uh, and certainly it would be for mothers or fathers, whoever would ha- be a parent with children in a city setting like this, a mall, third story. One of the children was taken by a deranged man who had been rejected by women, young man, African-American to, to, to be exact, and took the boy and threw him over the railings and he hit the, the pavement down at the bottom of, of the floor. He didn't die. Uh, don't know how well he is. He was in very critical condition a few days ago when this happened. I think it happened last Friday, somewhere like that. Um, and I, I, I'm bringing that to the table to ask you the question, you know, how do you handle, how do you handle uh, events like this that when they come to you? How do you, how do they make you understand God? How do they make you understand humanity? How do they make you understand the world? How do they make you understand biblical truth? one 367 uh, how do they make you understand what I stated that this kind of event, like many others, forces us to do? And that is to cons- consider the value of life. You take a young man or a young woman who signs up for military 
and uh, they they go into the Army, Air Force, Marines, Navy, and then find themselves in the midst of a, a war. And, 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 and now we're shooting at a, a people. We're shooting to kill them. And they really now have to work through a crisis. It may not be a theodicy. It may not be a crisis connected to God, but it could be certainly a crisis connected to humanity. Them knowing that they could die and that they are they're given to kill another person. And and the question will be, why? Why? Why the killing? Why the murder? Why the 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 painful lifelong misery, uh, uh, as it were, um, projected onto someone uh, just because you were rejected by women? At the mall, and the other thing is, why did the the court system even let this guy even back in the mall after throwing furniture over the top? Wouldn't they have known? Wouldn't they have been aware that he was going to escalate? Couldn't they tell by the medical records that he had some kind of mental problem? See, I got an issue with this because we're all talking about valuing life, and and sometimes uh, things fall between the cracks, don't they? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. When 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 we think about these kinds of things, we we ask ourselves, and I if, and if you're honest, you would. Where's God at? What what does God have to say about this? What what does God have to say about a, a crazy event like that occurring? Now you know it's it's right to raise the question. We've been raising that question for the longest. Uh, Biblical matters have had the people of God crying out, God, where are you for millenniums now? For millenniums now. Where are you, God, in a situation like that? Where are you when evil occurs in our world? Where is God? You can give me the biblical answer, but give me the deeply thoughtful answer, too. one 367 5329 I want to hear from you. This is a post-resurrection Sunday. Uh, Monday is a joyful day because the ultimate answer to all the evil in the world from God is a day of resurrection. That's the ultimate answer. We'll get into that more fully as we continue to develop the the program, because Christianity is not about fixing everything right now. Christianity is about God's grand answer to the brokenness of it all in the resurrection. And it was affirmed by and confirmed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why believers around the world have been able to endure all kinds of pain. They believe in the resurrection of the dead, of both the just and the unjust, and a great day of assignment where God will make things straight. But in the meanwhile, we have to exercise ethical and moral and spiritual judgments as to what's going on in our world. And how do we view God in it as well? Is he so far off that he has no real part in any of this whatsoever? Or is God imminent? Is he present and comprehended in the evil that goes on in our world? How about for you? I'm sure you've got troubles in your life that may not rise to the level of land, and I hope not, but it could have be could be the case, and you could be dealing with the same struggles. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Love to hear from you. Let me go to line one and talk with Wanda in Oakland. Wanda, are you there? I am here. Thank Wanda, you you'll have to cut your radio. Talk. You'll have to cut your radio down for me. Uh, I just did. Thank you. Okay. What's your thoughts? Can you hear me well now? Yes, I can. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Jesse, for taking my my phone call. Uh-huh. Um, I am in my mid fifties, and I am the parent of two boys. Mm-hmm. One is typically developing, and one is special needs. I am an African-American woman, and therefore, when my child who's autistic tends to act up from time to time, there are people that are ignorant of uh, autistic children and the behavior, so I will get a lot of, you need to slap him or hit him or whatever. I also, my son has no social graces, so he will from time to time bump into people. Right. And I I noticed that my, I'm quick to say when I'm when I'm in the black community, oh, he's retarded. He's retarded. So I can let these brothers know that he didn't mean to. Right. He might look 18, right. but he's too mentally. Right. Now, my mom has brought me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So there just are certain things that I adhere to in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I Seldom do I ask God why, because I understand that this is the world that we live in, 
that people's hearts are depraved. People mm-hmm. say humankind and mankind. Is, I don't believe in that at all. Right. I believe that either you're a believer, you believe on Jesus Christ in the blood of Jesus, or you don't. Mm-hmm. And when Christians can do some of everything, then why, and, and we're accountable to God, sure. then it just, to me, it just leaves the person who's an atheist, an agnostic, uh, non-believer, whatever, to do just, because your heart's depraved, mm-hmm. then that means that you'll, you'll do anything. You'll do anything. Not saying that all Christians are, are good and right and goody-two-shoes, but I, don't, I very seldom ask why. It says in the Word of God about the world waxing colder and colder, right? Mm-hmm. So the question about, well, where is God? God is right here. Mm-hmm. He's the same God that you want to take out, take out of the schools. He's the same God that you want to turn your back on. Mm-hmm. But when things go bad, then you ask, where is God? Right. The Word says, choose ye whom, this day whom you will serve. Will it be God or will it be man? Mm-hmm. When you serve yourself, then don't, bl- don't blame God. He right. put us on this earth. And he says, abide, he left us the word of God. It says, abide by my laws. This is what I'm giving you and love one another. And when you choose to do opposite of that, you get what you get. God is right there all the time. No matter what happens in life, he's still a good God. He's still worthy of praise. I agree with you um, 100%, particularly um, from the standpoint of knowing that the brokenness that we have all participated in, either in our father Adam representative, representatively or in our own right, because we've done enough wrong on our own to be able to justify Absolutely. a lot of the evil that's going on in our world. But one of the reasons I raised the question, Wanda, is to engage in what I want to have with the Christian audience is a broader conversation than um, the 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 bifurcating distinction or the categorical categorical distinction of believer unbeliever because this is what I would argue I would argue that um, there is a spectrum of uh, human capacity for what we call the milk of human kindness that can be expressed eminently in unbelievers um, as well as in believers. And that's because God created us all in the Imago Dei. And that means even though we are fallen and have absolute uh, depravity as a fundamental operating principle of enmity against God in our hearts, that God in an inscrutable way keeps us from acting out as bad as we would if he were to abandon us in the imminency of the presence of his spirit in our lives. This is actual biblical theology, and you sound like you know enough about the Bible to be able to actually follow it where I'm going. No no human being operates totally outside of the sphere and control and rule of God. We all live, move, and have our being in God. That's Acts 17. That means that there's a, there's a way in which God is constrained conducting, governing the affairs of human beings, even down to the way we think. It's above our pay grade to articulate it, but we can declare it. The Bible says the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord, that man devises his way, but God directs his steps. Now, just follow me for a second. And therefore, what God means for us to do in a crazy world filled with evil, this is the doctrine of theodicy is he means for you and I to investigate why these things occur from a comprehensive level, Wanda, of evangelism, of uh, apologetics, of witness and testimony, that there is a cause for these things and that there is a way to view them and to deal with them redemptively to lead and draw men to Jesus Christ for salvation, for instance. Um, your son who is autistic, um, his autism is a tool in the hand of God for a redemptive purpose in your life, if not a whole bunch of our lives. Would you agree? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Right. And yes. and so when I, and I, I have a lot of autistic friends and relatives, I'm the pastor of parents who are in the same situation as are you, uh, 
when I see my artistic brothers and sisters, no matter how old they are, I still recognize the grace of God in them in terms of the Imago Day. I can recognize elements of, um, and you, I'm sure you will affirm it, moral and ethical judgments. I can recognize uh, compassion. I can rec- recognize sympathy. I can recognize folly and foolishness, too. I can recognize all of the fundamental human attributes in our artistic brothers and sisters that are in us. They're simply impeded, impeded massively because of their physical condition, i.e. their mental condition as well. And I'm sure you would agree with that, right? I agree. I right. Agree. Right. So let's just take that situation because a, a, a pattern and type of our artistic uh, community serves as an example of how easy it is for people to misunderstand what real case scenarios are, what really is going on. Like you said, you will have a ton of Christians who will want to just tell you, whip the boy or pop him on the hand or pop him upside the head. That means at the moment, and I'm just going to be, you know, candid, that means that that Christian is much more of a buffoon in the moment than your son would be. Your son is justified because of his condition and disability to, to, to behave within the parameters of his expression. The, the Christian who is jumping to conclusions and rushing to judgment and using shallow quips to try to solve the problem is a lot more ignorant than your son. And he or she has to be educated as to what they are seeing so they can see it properly. Your son then becomes a model of our broken world as an opportunity for us to share with people who are not operating in those spaces as to how you engage him in his best interest and yours so that we can all draw from his space in our world, his purpose in our world, redemptive benefits, because they serve us. Your your children serve us. Our kids with autism serve us eminently who are uh, what are called more fortunate in some ways and then in a lot of ways we're not. True. True. Very true. Right. And so what I would say um, about um, our unbelieving uh, friends and brothers and family, et cetera, um, in a lot of ways, they're broken in ways that they don't even know. They have absolutely no idea the level of their brokenness. Uh, it, it actually exceeds infinitely the brokenness of our artistic kids until God actually shows up in their heart with grace to reveal to them that they're sinners in need of the mercy and righteousness of God. And that radical, that radical revelation would bring them to a state of humility by which they would be much more quick to discern than to just exercise a shallow judgment. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Pastor. Good. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. Is this your first time calling? It is. Okay. Yes, it is, is your first time listening? Oh no! I listen. I've been listening to you for probably about a year okay. right now, Good. and I'm so I listen to you often. And I just I um I just had to call and and just make a statement because I I often get um, people that are atheists and agnostics saying, yep. "Well, if 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 there is a God, then how can you let this happen? And how can you let that happen?" Right. And I just say, you know, we're here on this earth. And man is man is not infallible. Not at man, all. You know the yeah because the the heart is evil. Then mm-hmm. people do evil, wicked things. But it's just like sometimes I think them to expect for for, for like God to be like a puppet master. Yep. So when someone picks up a gun to shoot someone, they expect for the hand of God to come down and slap it out of their hand. <laughs> I agree. Like yeah, I just and 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 it 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 frustrates me when people blame. The murdering and the and and the and the madness and like the the bombing in Sri Lanka right. when they blame this on God it's no it's not God's fault right. it's man's fault right you're absolutely right and I'm going to continue this conversation to keep expanding our knowledge base on on three things one is uh, defense in defense of um, a fuller expression of the Imago Day, because there will be non-believing people who will have a much more biblically centric view of evil, even though they don't quite n- yet know where its origin is or where it's going in terms of God. Then I'm going to talk about an apologetic position, a position on how we defend the biblical claims of God, God, and then ultimately wander an evangelical uh, expression, because God left us here as believers to be able to draw men and women to God through Christ and explain why the these things are going on. Not everybody's going to believe, but some will if we're patient and um, 
and we are careful enough to, to give an answer to anyone that would ask us of the hope of the calling that is within us with meekness and with grace. Thank you for the call. I got to take a break. When I come back, all the lines are open. one 5329 1-888-367-5329. I love to hear from you. It was great hearing from Wanda. Again, one 367 5329 Let's continue the conversation on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 5.55. We're almost done with this segment. Do want to say I've got three lines open, one 367 if you want to continue the topic of theodicy, how evil in our world is designed to force us to think through the presence of God, the meaning of his presence, the absence of his absolute rule over evil, uh, for the purpose of extinguishing it, for God is the one who allows it, uh, and how we as believers must handle uh, atrocities and, and, and travesties and, and traumatic events in a way that leads to both a witness, an apologetic expression, and an evangelical opportunity to draw men and women to Christ. It's not as easy as one would think. But before we go to the phone lines, I do want to say this. We are coming up on our second Daughters of Grace class this Saturday at 10 a.m. at Grace Bible Church. Now, let me just express to you what this is all about, ladies. This is all about women gathering together from all parts of the community. A time where the women at Grace, called Daughters of Grace, who take on a Titus 2, 3 through 5 uh a paradigm or model of serving their sisters. And we have uh, older women all the way up to 85 years old and older who are in our audience as well as young women. And then your daughters, our daughters come in and they are generally said to be uh, limited around eight years old. If they're going to be brought in because they get broke off into groups after we have our general session, our general session starts at about 10 o'clock, 10 15. And then uh, we have a main speaker who will bring a subject matter, a female speaker who will bring a subject matter, sometimes multiple speakers. And we address the issues that make for real challenges for women. This particular Saturday, we are dealing with the struggle of a lack of clarity in terms of your purpose, your calling, your your life. I want to ask you the question because I want to make sure I lay this out before I go to the phone lines. This Saturday, 11 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock, uh, Daughters of Grace is hosting their second uh, class for the year uh, around the subject of the struggle for clarity that we often find ourselves engaged in when we're going down the road of life And we look up and we are often confused or troubled or unclear. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever been at a place where you are at the present unclear or confused or troubled um, about what you are doing and uh, or what you should be doing? I know a lot of times we don't want to ask the question, what is my purpose? I know a lot of times we don't really often want to have to revisit Am I actually presently in the will of God or not? But if you're honest, just stay with me, ladies, for a moment. If you're honest, it might very well be that you're asking the question. I'm not real clear on where I am. I'm not real clear on what I should be doing. I'm not real clear on why I know I should be doing certain things, but I'm not. We asked our ladies in our last DOG meeting a couple months ago, because we have them every two months uh, in our breakout. We had about 150 women in the uh, class that day, and we talked about what are some of the prominent challenges that you are struggling with in your present life. And we came away with an assessment of five fundamental challenges that our our ladies are having, our women are having, our sisters are having in their lives. And uh, they, 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 they are all sort of interrelated. That was fascinating, first of all. And I want to talk to you about what we're going to be dealing with this Saturday. We're going to be dealing with what is called an emotional fog, an emotional fog. Now, have you ever been there? If you, if you go, yes, if you've affirmed me, then uh, you actually would be a real help for us if you wanted to show up. If you had time between 10 and 1 on Saturday and you want to be part of a bunch of women who are either, watch this now, going into the fog or already are in the fog, 
or have come out of the fog in some area of your life where you just got completely overwhelmed or obscured or lost in your journey and didn't even realize it. See, emotional fog is about a loss of clarity, a loss of focus, a loss of vision, a loss of sight, the ability to actually see where you're going. It happens a lot to all of us. I can give you multiple biblical models of the biblical people of God getting caught up in fogs individually and collectively as well. That's what we want to deal with. There are five things that we're going to be dealing with in our DOG this year. Daughters of Grace, emotional fog will take place this Saturday. Then in June, we're going to be dealing with what it means to be overwhelmed, the overwhelmed state, because the overwhelmed state is the consequence of being in the fog too long. And then we're going to be dealing with what is called the lack of priorities or boundary issues, which is a consequence, again, of being overwhelmed. Can you see the concurrent overlapping relationship? Emotional fog leading to leading to being overwhelmed and being overwhelmed at least to a lack of priorities or boundary issues by which you end up letting people take advantage of you. Or you end up losing good relationships, you end up sustaining bad relationships, and you have a wacky set of priorities in your life. What happened? You were overwhelmed. What happened? You failed to recognize the fog. And then we're going to be dealing with past and present wounds in our fourth class that has everything to do with the loss of confidence, low self-esteem, personal assessment issues. You do know what I'm saying, don't you? Well, you definitely want to be there this Saturday because we want to lay out some promises. We want to lay out some problems. And then we want to lay out some solutions to help our sisters get out of the fog, get back on the road of life and enjoy the promise of walking in the light, which God said he does with all of his people to walk in the light so that we can see where we're going. Make sure you are there on this uh, Saturday. If you're not doing anything for all the ladies who are part of grace ministry from your different churches, and we love to see you. We're hoping you're there because this will be a time of, of clarity, a time of healing, a time of affirmation, a time of correction. And uh, I want you to be part of it. It would be great to have you there. Now, let me go to line number one and talk with Mish in Fresno. Mish, are you there? Yes. Hi, how, how are you? I'm great. Um, how are you? I'm fine. Hey, um, I'm very glad that you're discussing this incident that happened mm-hmm. last week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm Afghan. I'm Black American. Yeah. Trying to get out. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was just horrible. And uh, once again, um, I saw absolutely no real response from any of our so-called Black leaders. Right. Or I didn't see anything about this on Facebook and social media. Right. It was as if it didn't happen. If it had been a, a black child being thrown over uh, a third floor balcony by a white man, we'd be at the brink of civil war right now. I, I'm so, so glad you said that because, you know, um, I, I wasn't ambivalent because do you listen to our Monday program? No, I, I, I haven't for a while. We moved we moved out of the Bay Area, and I've just been able to reconnect with Bay Area Station. So, oh, okay. So go ahead. No, I was going to say that I had I had these particular thoughts in my head too, Mish. That um, hmm, if this had been you know uh, like you said, this had been turned around where we could have uh, continued to perpetuate the hostility towards our white community, uh, you know, under the name of uh, social justice, the media would have been all on top of that at length, and it. Would wouldn't have stopped until we saw protests and 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 riots or people going to the police station there in that particular city where this particular crime was committed. But it was almost as if hmm, we're not going to we're not going to promote this because this balances the scales out too much. Isn't that a shame? Isn't it a shame that we politicize atrocities like this at the level of actually perpetuating injustice uh, in the name of trying to establish social justice? Well, yes, and uh, unfortunately, it's even worse than that. I don't have any black friends or family members who are even interested in talking about this. So, the problem is not just political; it's not just political. It's it's spiritual. Sure, I don't really think we care, and I know hmm. you don't want to hear that, and I know the audience doesn't want to hear it. But I've been black for sixty years, and. I'm right on your heels, girl. I'm right on your heels. I'm right on your heels. 
So, okay, so, so here, here's my thinking. We can, we can sit around and, and yak about this. Why is this happening? Where is God? God is right here saying, hey, he screwed up once again. I gave right. you another opportunity right. to go to this family to, to either stop this guy yep. or to, to do something and you blew it. So, yep. so what, Jesse, what we can do now, what you and your listeners can do now is say, yeah, okay, the, the evil deed has been done. We can sit around and talk about it or we can, we can take action. You know, take, take up an offering. Go to your list and say, look, look let's, let's put in as much money as you can. Send it to this family that's suffering. This kid will probably never have a normal day in his life. He's I agree. He's going to get medical care for the next ever. I agree. Let's send money to this family with our apologies, with our prayers. And then let's also say at this Anything that we can do for you out here in California, let us know, and we will try to get it done. That's where God is. I agree. He will be with you if you do that. I agree. And they definitely have a GoFundMe page. If one wanted to look up the article, they'd find it uh, a quick and in a hurry. It happened in Minnesota. It's not hard to find. And um, you know what I will say, too, um, to, to you, Misha, about... Um, the love of the brethren and the behavior of what I consider uh, Christians of integrity. And this is true. I know this being a pastor and being involved with a lot of things, as well as a, a radio talk show host. I actually know that Christians do a lot of good around the world by way of charities and by way of giving and by way of serving, but we don't toot horns. And that's the way I teach it in our church. We don't, we don't go around telling people what we do. We just do it. But what I do want to make sure that we all understand, and, and I'm thankful for it, in our country, we have the right right now and freedom right now, Mish, to have this conversation. Dialogue about these things are critical. It is the first stage in inhaling before we take in, uh, exhaling rather, before we inhale and then do something. You have to exhale. You have to talk about it. That's why God gave us the gospel. The gospel is the euangelion. He means to go out and talk about what he did, what he does, how he does it, why he does it. And that conversation, that conversation is what starts people moving in the right direction. That's why I contribute by talking on Mondays about these kinds of things, because I know that immediately, and I believe this with all my heart, Mish, immediately somebody's going to go and look it up and they're going to find the GoFundMe page and they're going to support and help take care of uh, of Landon uh, as much as they possibly can. This is going to occur so that it's not a bo- it's not an either or it's not ha- either have the conversation or do something It's have the conversation and do something. OK, and I just say these last two things. Yes, ma'am. OK, three things. Quick things. Um, 20 years ago, people would also use to send cards. They would go to go to the store, buy Hallmark cards, and write personal messages and send to the family saying, you know, I'm so-and-so, I hear my story. They would write a personal message. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can mean as much to a family as a GoFundMe, you know. I agree. Uh, dollar. So just, I'm just saying be personal about it. Show, let's show white people that we are not all indifferent monsters yep. that we actually care about this little boy yep. and other, any other little child that's being, you know, damaged like this. And totally, uh, totally. The second, the second thing is we we have to stop laying the blame for all the world's evil upon Adam. Adam ha- had a sidekick. Her name was Eve. There is the sin nature of Eve that is coursing through every female on the planet as well. And so until we address that part of the equation, no, we're going to be still be just spinning around in circles. Well, actually, on a, on a theological level, I, I get you on the he, his and her. Uh, in theology, we call men totally depraved, but I found out that women are depraved, too, and that seems like what you're saying. Now, <laughs> I, now but Adam is a generic term for both the man and the woman. And so, I know, but, but that allows women. I know. To just I, I I am say, so oh, in a, I am so in agreement with you. I am so uh, in agreement. <laughs> Since her name is Eve, like you said, we got a bunch of Eve coursing through our blood too. I am totally yes. in agreement with you. I am, and I'm glad you said it because you know I'll get a few emails. I know. <laughs> it's, it's time that we talked about it. Women, we are just as sinful in nature and evil as as Adam and men are. Definitely have to own it now. Or whenever God's never gonna come up and say, Okay, now here's the action plan. <laughs>
because half of us are not on the, are not even in the game acknowledging who we are exactly you know what I'm saying did you have a so third point but God will show up I agree did you have a third point my third point is this, there's a fellow named Jesse Lee Pearson I, I know if you I know him this. well yeah I know I know him for yeah. many many years okay he's a radical he's kind of hardcore but he has a really he has some solid ideas about problems in not only black communities like forgiving your parents yep all that like the, like Satan, you know, darkness entering our lives. Yep. I, you know, please go on his show mm-hmm. and, and go on a show and get a get a bigger audience to get a you know an international audience. You men, black men, you need to start talking and talking loud because time is short. I'm sure. I agree. I agree. I, I agree. We are talking in our different spheres. I'll, 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 I'll affirm you on that. Like I said, I go back 12 years doing talk radio, and I know of uh, Peterson. I know of a lot of a lot of guys across the nation that are African American that are doing their thing as well. And that probably would be a very good. That would probably be a good, very good panel. Uh, let's pray that that comes about. Listen, thank you for the call. Bless you. I got to take a hard break. When I come back, two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five. Three two nine two lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 